Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. And I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. So today we are covering the four-part documentary on Apple Plus called The Supermodels. And um, so just some general, what are your thoughts Overall, well, thoughts. overall, I really liked it. It started out a little slow. So yes. if you want to watch this, it's very good, but it's a little long. It's it was- it's long. It could have been shorter. And the first episode I thought I, I was like, I don't like this. But then when I got to episode two, three, mm-hmm. four, it was much better and you really get sucked in. Um, but, you know, this is really our era. It is. You know, it is. we are Gen Xers and, you know, we came of age in the 80s. And so this was, you know, yeah, this, this was our thing. And yeah, it was a big, a big part of our lives were these uh, supermodels, the fashion magazines Mm -hmm. and, and these four women. Yeah. So um, the four women are Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington and Linda Evangelista. And yeah, I, I also, I also thought it was really, really long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of beat some concepts to death that they really did not need to beat to death. Yeah. Um, so I think it could have been a two part special and we could have gotten a lot. Plus, it skips around a lot. We see what happened in the past and then we're seeing them present day and seeing what they're doing. And it was um, I understand what they were trying to do. The the the. The um, and it, it obviously seemed like they followed them for a long time because yeah. in the beginning you see it it's it seems very early COVID and mm-hmm. everyone's masked up and then you see them in 2022 and so yeah it's a, it's a long project it's it's, yeah. a, it's very comprehensive because it it really tries to give you an idea of what is happening in the culture in the world and in the country at mm-hmm. that point and the cultural influences and, you know, it's a very thorough job. It's Ron Howard and um, 
who's the guy Glazer, Brian Glazer. Yeah. You know, so it's very well done. It's, 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 very oh, I good. didn't know it was there. Um, I didn't know it was their documentary, but yeah, yeah. I think what's so interesting, th- this, the first thing I wrote was just, I remember, cause I have a mole, I have a couple moles, but I remember just seeing Cindy Crawford and some of these women, Christy Charlington, because, and how gr- cool it was mm-hmm. because prior to that, what we saw was this Christy Brinkley, Cheryl Teague's mm-hmm. blonde, blue-eyed. Um, obviously, there was Brooke Shields, and she was dark-haired. But Cindy Crawford, I remember first seeing her, and and it was this thing of she looked different. She mm-hmm. had dark hair, dark eyes. She had this mole. Mm-hmm. She, and obviously, I mean, the woman is gorgeous. She's not like of this earth, but at the same time, she seemed far more relatable. Yeah. And far more of what what you see. The same thing with Christy Charlington and um, and the other women. It was like, oh, these are women that I, you know, that aren't these waif-like um, blonde hair, blue-eyed women. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very cool. I remember, you know, first seeing all of them and thinking how different, how neat. I mean, obviously now things are so different, but you've got to understand back in the eighties and fashion magazines to see someone like that show up. It mm-hmm. was exciting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they were definitely, um, they were stars, you know, they, and they worked really hard. Yeah. You know, they weren't just showing up. And I think it was Cindy Crawford who said, in the very beginning of they're close to the beginning of the documentary that it these photos they were taken because they mm-hmm. started out as print models yes okay and everyone has to realize this is eons before the internet even mm-hmm. before you know cable tv was just starting yes <laughs> to become something people had in their homes and she said you know it, this picture isn't about me looking beautiful this is about me selling a product. Mm-hmm. And they realized that, like all of them very early on, that is like, I, I I have to listen to what they want. You know, mm-hmm. I have to take direction from, they took it very seriously, taking directions from the the uh, photographers. And, and she also said that, you know, um, there was no post-production. They could do a bit of yes. that air... Um, airbrushing yes but it's not like today where you can basically take a picture of someone and then make them unrecognizable um so they had to actually get the shot Mm -hmm. when the camera went off Mm -hmm. that was the shot so you had to have the right pose the right lighting the right angles the right hair the right everything and and you're yeah you're selling a product this isn't about you and they were selling very very high priced fashion Mm -hmm. they were very you know a very valuable commodity yes um so should we just start with because in the first episode which is called the look we learn about each of their backstories so i think that she's they start with christy turlington Mm -hmm. and i didn't you know um she's settled here she's from the bay area and um her dad was a pilot and her mom was a flight attendant from el salvador el salvador yeah and um so, yeah, she just was out and about at the stables at mm-hmm. 14 and someone asked her about modeling and they took um, Christy and her sister to an agent and port the poor sister. They picked Christy 
And she started working and she really enjoyed it. I mean, she said it was nice to make some money. It was nice to have some independence. And then at 15, she goes to New York to meet Eileen Ford. Mm -hmm. And um, it was amazing how young they all were. They all were when it when it happened. And I guess this this Arthur Elgort, who's a photographer, and she said meeting him changed everything because he wanted Christy for an upcoming Vogue shoot. And that was a very, very big deal. And that's when she went to London and met Naomi for the first time in that in that shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk a lot in the documentary about photographers, mm-hmm. right? And how it's interesting because you forget how much power photographers have with with who they, you know, because the better the photographer, the better relationship that you have. And obviously... If you're Vogue and you want to get these high-end photographers to shoot something, they are the ones that can say, well, I'll only do it if it's Christy Turlington. Right. And so that's a big deal. Yeah. And then Naomi Campbell, she um, was living with her mother in London. Her mother was just a single mother. She, mm-hmm. never, she never knew, she never her, knew father. her father. She, that woman's been looking for a father. <laughs> we'll, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get into, into that. that. But, but yeah, she was really into... Um, theater arts and um her mother actually didn't even know she was modeling Mm -hmm. she just kind of started doing it yeah um that's all i wrote down about well no but she started off she don letts needed kids for a bob bob marley video oh right and that was the first thing that she did and then she was in a culture club video yeah she was in a culture club video and um she and her friends went to covenant garden and an american lady asked if she was a model and gave her the card and mm-hmm. it was it was an actual model scout and she said i didn't know how to model i just used my dance training um and uh and modeling she said was really looked down in her family mm-hmm. you know i think her mom that's why she didn't tell her mom yeah I think her she mom was afraid was like to tell academic her mom or something. yeah that this is what i'm doing this is what i want to do um yeah, yeah. And then we get to Cindy Crawford, who grew up in DeKalb, Illinois, in this very Midwestern blue-collar family. And she talked about working in the cornfields as a kid. And she said she had a very normal childhood up until she was nine. And then her brother, I didn't know this, her brother passed away from leukemia. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he was diagnosed and then passed away a year later. And when her brother was sick, that's what what the focus was of the family, Mm -hmm. you know? And she said she felt a lot of pressure to be perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of time to grieve. And then her parents divorced when she was in high school. And um, her dad, he really rewarded success, and that's how you got his attention. So she she did very well in school, but it was before that she got a local photographer, wanted to take pictures of her, and her father was very much against it because he thought it was something nefarious was going on and um yeah but the hairdresser saw something in her and sent her photos to elite and her first big gig was a marshall fields bra ad (laughs) and that the kids found out and and teased her but she didn't care because she didn't have to work in the cornfields anymore (laughs) it's like you can laugh if you want but i'm making i'm making a bunch of money doing this yeah and then there's Linda. Did you write anything? Um, I have so many random notes. Um, so no. she actually went to a modeling school 
went to Japan at the age of 16 on a modeling contract. Yeah, she was the one that was obsessed with fashion. Of all of them, she was the one that said, this is what I want to do. Like, she was the one who... Because she's from Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. But her parents were very, very strict, um, originally from Italy. And so, but she was obsessed with fashion and she would go through the magazines and... um, And she just apparently had the look and she went to Japan and she talked about how she, they wanted to take these, when she got to Japan by herself, they wanted to take these nude photographs Mm -hmm. of her and she kind of freaked out and left. Um, And that sort of spoiled her on that. And then she was a Miss Teen Niagara pageant. (laughs) She didn't win, but there was a scout in the audience and that well it was john casablanca yeah and he told her she looked like joan severance (laughs) and he signed her and then told her to lose five pounds right uh um and john apparently was very charming he was the head of the elite agency and he dated very young women so there are some a lot of what i thought was really interesting and we'll get into this was just how how i like how these men who worked in these fashion houses, how they were just predators. There was more than one. And um, the other thing that I thought was so interesting was how the designers, especially the male designers, got so, their feathers got ruffled when they started to see how popular these women are. Oh, yeah, they were pissed. They were pissed. Because it was no longer about the fashions. It was, they'd say, yeah, they'd report it, they'd say, Cindy Crawford wearing Valentino. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 it's the other way around. Yeah, It's like Valentino worn by Cindy Crawford. Yes. And yeah, they... But it was, it was, but it was this feeling of they're getting too big for their britches, they're right. getting too important. It was just interesting how this, because the one thing about modeling and if it, the, what are the two industries where women make more than men? Modeling right. and porn, <laughs> you know, and, and that's really true that, yeah. that they're, and it's so interesting how in these two industries where women have more power and make more money than their male counterpart, yeah. how angry the men, <laughs> how angry the men around them get. Oh, yeah. When they start commanding a lot more. And, and this is later in the documentary, but I just thought it was so interesting how these men are such, they're such predators and they just... Yeah, awful. they're either predators or they're just, yeah, they're just very bitchy about, you know, I'm the designer, mm-hmm. you know, because you have all these people in different positions, you know, you have the designers, the photographers, the managers, you know, and they all have their own thing. But yeah, they all... They all basically think that these women are working for them. Yes. And that they deserve to, obviously, to be paid more. And it's a very strange dynamic for the reason you just said. is because if it weren't for these women, you guys wouldn't have any money. Yeah. You wouldn't be selling anything. You wouldn't be making any money. Yet you treat them like... Like trash. Like trash. And there's this other part, too, with some of these men. You just kind of get a vibe from it where it's almost... I mean, such predatory with these young women. And they're all so young when they start. Yeah, they, they, they're barely you know, 16. Yeah. And just how they're just thrown into these situations yeah. where it's like, okay, there you go. But then Cindy Crawford talks about how she won this contest called the Look of the Year contest in her senior year. And that's when the elite agency saw her. And um, 
And so she got selected, I guess, for this this contest that was in Acapulco, where she got selected in the top 10. And they asked her if she would be willing to quit school and move to New York. But she didn't want to quit school. She did really well in school. She was the co-valedictorian and she got into Northwestern University with a scholarship for Mm. chemical engineering. Jesus. I mean, she is not a dummy. So the summer before her college, before college, she went to New York and started modeling for elite and he booked, she got booked to go to Rome and they wanted to cut her hair Mm -hmm. and she said no. And then the hairdresser, Apparently, like the hairdresser went into the other room or the night before the shoot to give her a quote unquote trim. And then they just chopped off her hair without asking her. Jesus. And so that's another one, too, which is they realized very quickly that, you know, I I need to start standing up for myself or these things are going to happen because you can see how she says no. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, well, we'll just do it anyway, because she's not it's, it's almost like like she's not a person. She's not a person. Yeah. She's like this mannequin. She was very shocked. She's never cut her hair short again. <laughs> it was very, very, very. Um, and then we kind of, they also interview some other people, um, these uh, culture writers, and there's the critic large at Washington Post, Robin Givhan. Um, and they kind of get into this idea of the mythology surrounding models, right? Your job was to, as a model, she, the way she said it was was almost to hide your humanity like you couldn't be human like as a model you were just you were these living hangers and it's a silent job right you're not supposed to you're supposed to make everything look effortless and back then you didn't even know any models names you didn't know mm. who they were they were just they were just all um the bodies yeah and so they got into the how b- before the models they all had the same look and what they thought what men wanted and you know the epitome of what it means to be a woman and these ideals of women at 16 17 and i always thought that was very interesting too because these women were not you know they were different looking and they were more unusual um so th- that's what Linda Evangelista was saying. She was like, I never thought I was beautiful. She said, I, I was tall and thin mm-hmm. and I thought I was pretty, but I didn't think I was this great beauty. Okay. So I think when it started getting a little more interesting for me anyway, was um, when they show Cindy Crawford in 1986 on Oprah mm-hmm. and she's with John, uh, John Casablanca, uh-huh. you know, she's at the elite modeling agency and Oprah is so, I mean, Cindy Crawford looked so different. That must have been after they chopped her hair off because her she didn't have like the long, flowy hair. Mm-hmm. And I don't I guess she had already been doing something. There's a reason why she's on Oprah. Yeah. But, you know, she's kind of like the next um, next hot thing. Big thing. Well, and I also think that this was a very old Oprah. And, you know, Oprah was in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Oprah yeah. originated in Chicago before she became national. That's where Cindy was modeling. And Cindy was modeling and was a big time model in the Chicago area uh-huh. until she, you know, pissed someone off and said, okay, I'm going to. Yeah. You know. So, so she's on Oprah and Oprah's gushing over her and she's like, look at that body. And she says, stand up, mm-hmm. you know, stand up and, and show everyone. And so, you know, this little Cindy Crawford is like 18 or 19 or something stands up and and 
And so then Cindy today is commenting on this. And she said at the time she didn't really think much of it, you Mm -hmm. know, but looking back, she's pretty horrified by that Uh experience. And she said, and especially coming from Oprah, Mm. you know, who had weight problems Mm -hmm. all her life. And it really is. It's very, it's a very cringy moment. Yeah, it's very, very cringy, though. I have to say the way, the way, what was, I felt even more cringy was how she didn't say a word. She was silent. And this guy talked for the whole time. This John Casablancas, I thought his behavior was far worse than Oprah's, right? Because I thought there's been a lot of press about this Oprah situation. Mm -hmm. This is what got picked up and in the news. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That was not great on Oprah's part, but this pig basically she says nothing throughout it and he talks for her the entire time well we only saw like a 20 second snippet i don't know i feel like we saw a lot of those i felt i I don't know i i I felt like i saw a lot of that i'm sure the way he was i just it was just glaring how shocking it was where she was saying nothing not a word and he just talked for her i think this she's this she's that just nothing came out of her own mouth. Yeah, well, it was 1986. Yeah, what can you do? So, yeah, she talked about how, you know, she was working in Chicago and she was working for this one... Photographer. For photographer, kind of exclusively. That was her bread and butter. Yeah. And she wanted to go on this trip to Bali. It was like, it was going to be a modeling job in Bali. And, she, you know, she'd never really been anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just wanted to go. And um, the photographer said, you know, if you go... Because she would have had to miss some yeah. things. She was or like one booked. day. One there day, was one day there was there. A, uh, she was booked. And he said, if you go, I'll never hire you ever again. Mm-hmm. And she just said, fuck it. And she went to Bali. And of course, he never hired her again. Yeah. But then that got her to move to New York. But because... what was interesting is what she said is she did not want to be manipulated like that. She's right. like, I don't, which I thought was wow, to be able to have that forethought at that age, to be like, I don't, if this is how it's going to be with you, Mm -hmm. if this is, if, if it's, if you're going to control me in this way, then forget it. Yeah. Cause she said she had watched her dad use money Mm. to control her mother growing up and she didn't like that. And, um, yeah, she didn't want to be controlled that way. Yes. So, so then after that, she, she sort of like, you know, that got her to go to Chicago. <laughs> like got her to, got her to New York. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of the end of the first. That's mainly the first episode. one. Just about how the, it was a big deal to get these. They were just talking about being in Vogue and how the big, the big thing to get is a Vogue cover right. as a model. Yeah. yeah. And on another, yeah, you have to also realize like these fashion magazines. I can't overstate how pervasive they were. Yes. In our so many in our lives. You know. You don't see a lot of magazines have kind of retreated to, you know, you can't even find a magazine somewhere in the back of the store or, you know, a Barnes and Noble or something. Um, But yeah, they used to be magazine racks, magazines everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, it was Vogue. It was Cosmopolitan. It was, you know, Glamour, Mademoiselle. And then new ones came out. Yeah, new ones came out like Elle and Marie Claire Mm -hmm. and... But there were so many magazines, and that was the thing. There was and that's no. What, yeah, that's what young women. Yeah, like that was their entertainment. Yes, you know, you'd get these magazines, and then you'd go home and look at them and feel terrible about yourself. Yes, essentially, it's like welcome to growing up in the eighties. <laughs> so we're now to episode two, which is called "The Fame," 
And it was very interesting because, you know, they talked about this is 1986. This is New York. This is Ed Koch. And <laughs> he's like, and, how am I doing? Yeah. And and if anyone knows anything about New York in the 80s, it was not very nice. It yeah, was, it was rough and It was very sketchy. And um, New York City, New York City was. And but they talked about all the women talked about how it was really magical, like this grittiness. You know, everyone wanted to go out. Everyone Mm -hmm. wanted to dress up and go and do things. Um, And just, you know, that they all maintain that, hey, this was a nine to five job. There was like this hustle to it. And um, yeah. Yeah. And then Stephen Maisel was another photographer who they all ended up really Mm -hmm. liking and working with for a long time. And um, yeah, they go through these different men, you know, like there's this designer as a Dean, Yeah. That's Naomi's Naomi's uh, father figure who took her under his wing. The guy's about four feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was this guy, this, this Jean-Luc, Brunel, who ended up being a friend of Jeffrey Epstein's. Oh, yes. Who yes. got in trouble for, you know, having sex with teens or. <laughs> yeah, Karen models in Paris. Yeah, they could never, like, they tried to convict. Is he the one they tried to convict, but they couldn't? Well, no, that I think. Well, that was a different guy. This guy, I think they got. I think it's the other guy. The He married <clears throat> Linda Evangelista. Oh, yeah. So Linda at 22 married her agent, this guy Gerard. Marie Gerard Marie yes and it he turned out to be extremely abusive Mm -hmm. and she um, was able to get out of that relationship after five years yeah and then Richard Avedon was another photographer and he was the one who was really Cindy Crawford's um you know kind of put her help put her on the map and Mm -hmm. this is when they bring up the whole beauty mark issue because there was always a discussion well do we try to cover it you know what do we do do we airbrush it um but they let it in they left it in yeah and they liked it yeah this was also interesting too where <clears throat> this was around the time linda linda evangelista what was so interesting about her is that she said at this time she went to on a trip to with I guess this photographer, Peter Lindbergh, and he said that he saw this very androgynous side of her. And he said to her, why don't you cut your hair? You should cut your hair. And it was so interesting because I do remember Mm -hmm. Alinda Evangelista and I remember that short hair. And that was also a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, the the standard of beauty was always that you had to have long hair, long wavy hair. And mm-hmm. then here was this woman who was so beautiful with this short hair. And I remember like it would be dark. It w- she would then go blonde. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, Ooh, it's blonde now. And then it would go red and, and all of that. And she talks about how she then she cut her hair. She went to Milan to do these fashion shows. They booked her, they canceled all of her shows um, but then she went to see Stephen Mizell, and two weeks later, she's on the Italian cover of Vogue. And that was a big deal. Like, that's how she made it. Yeah. But I think that that was also what was so unique and special about them at the time was that, you know, that she was just different. It was different. Mm-hmm. Like, here was a woman with short hair being beautiful. And that yeah. was just not the standard. They all, they all had something different about them, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, Naomi Campbell was one of... You know, there had been a few Beverly Johnson and a few Iman, bl- Iman, you know, black models, but not many. But, um, you know, Naomi Campbell was one of the 
first really yeah. in that generation. She was kind of like the only um, one. And, and she talks about how when she got to New York, she kind of discovered discrimination for the mm-hmm. first time. And her mom had warned her about that. Yeah. Be- but she said, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have to work harder. In- and um, yeah, so that was a rude awakening. Yeah, she couldn't get a cab. <laughs> so Christy, who was her roommate at the time, would have to come out, hail the cab. Yeah. Um, but she couldn't get cabs. Yeah. So then, <clears throat> then they talk about how, so they, these, these models were known as print girls. They're print mm-hmm. models. So there were print models and there were runway models. They were mm-hmm. two separate things. Well, so as these, um, these four models started getting bigger, they put them on the runway. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was very exciting when they started doing the runway because people knew who they were and it brought a new excitement and they sold more clothes and yeah you know, well and and naomi does talk about the other part too where she wasn't getting booked right. as much as christy or some of the other white models and that that before that there was also all these limitations for black models where they had to wear bright clothes or we could only you know only one in the summer or there can only be one mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i just thought all of that was really really interesting well, just these restrictions and the fact that she said in 1987 she did her first Vogue cover and they wanted she wanted them to pay her what the white models were making and you know she it was they got incensed yeah well and they all band together I think Christy was the first one who said if you don't book Naomi I you you're not booking me Mm -hmm. and they really all stuck together yeah um helped her to get what she deserved yeah um oh and the other thing that she said was that people would book Naomi but but she wouldn't show up in the pictures. Yeah. They would book her and I guess pay her for the day mm-hmm. just to kind of like maybe to be nice or to do what looked good. Right. But then th- she would realize like, oh, they're not taking, they're not calling me or they're not taking my photo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Christy Turlington, I think she was kind of the first model to do this. It seemed like she, so she was a Calvin Klein <clears throat> model for 33 years. Wow. And in the beginning, she had this exclusive contract with them mm-hmm. where, you know, she was getting paid like a million plus a year. And she only had to work 100 days a year, but she was exclusive. She could only work for them. Mm-hmm. She couldn't work for anybody else. And she was the face of eternity, which yes. was this kind of like family. And, and yeah, she did. She kind of looked like the girl next door. But in the 80s, these obsession, it was obsession commercials. Yeah. These were made fun of a lot because they were these really sexy, like everyone's naked and a lot of like, what is obsession? <laughs> is it love? Is it death? Is it life? <laughs> is it, you know, it was just, but it was all of this very no heavy makeup, natural look. That well, that was thing. the sexual. Is that one. the sexual obsession? One? Was the sexual one where they had like the nude models? Oh. And it was very sexy. And then uh, the Eternity was a different brand. That oh. was the more wholesome brand. That's right. Yeah, because okay. it's supposed to be about family, families for eternity. And so Christy is like the mom on the beach with her kids, you know, with her her blonde hair flowing. And, mm-hmm. That was her gig for a yeah. long time. Well, and then we hear from Cindy Crawford, who in 1988 posed for Playboy, and nobody thought she should do it. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Yeah, I do remember her doing that. So that was a big deal. And 
she, it was interesting because she, she said, yes, she really wanted to do it for whatever reason. Well, she wanted to, she wanted to increase her exposure. She's a very sophisticated Mm -hmm. um, uh, businesswoman because she said, who reads Playboy magazine? Men. Mm -hmm. Okay. All the women in America knew who she was, but the men didn't necessarily know who she was. Mm-hmm. She did Playboy, and all of a sudden, she's doubled her exposure. Yeah. Now, 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 all of a sudden, all these men know who she is, and they're, you know, she just got a whole new bunch of followers. Yeah. Or, and well, when she took the the Playboy photos, she had Herbert's. She so she insisted, which was very smart. Like, I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to pick the photographer. She owned, and she owned the images. She owned the images, and she said, "Okay, I'll do this," but. I want this photographer. And apparently he was taking pictures of her for one other campaign and for the Playboy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that was so interesting. She really sort of saw it as art mm-hmm. and was like, okay, I'll do, you know, th- th- it was, you know, th- same, same place, same everything. But where do you put it? Yeah. And then prior to that, she got that Revlon contract, mm-hmm. which she said, you know, provided her with a level of security where she didn't have to worry about anymore, like where her next job was coming from or anything. So that allowed her to do this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and take more risks. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because they were just talking about how these agencies and these agents that they work with, they talked a little bit about how these agencies, they act like the agencies have a lot of power, but they act like they don't have a lot of power. I think part of this is, is that they, I think these agencies, they do control a lot of what happens with these women, but I don't think that they, when it comes to like standing up for them, mm-hmm. I don't think they do that. No. that. Then they play dumb. Then they're like, Oh, we don't, we can't control that. Sorry. Right. That kind of thing. Do you remember this lady, Elsa Clench? Mm, no. She was uh, the style. She had some kind of style segment on CNN. But um, I, I, when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, Elsa Clench. Oh, I remember, I remember her, her from the 80s. But um, yeah, so now this is we're getting into the cable TV, MTV it's the late 80s era. Even though, yeah, MTV started. It was, what it was, was 80s, it, 82, 84. Yeah either 82 or 84 but this is when there was more and more cable television and this is this is basically when mtv stopped playing only videos right. they, they said <laughs> we they need started more, we need more content there's yeah. not enough videos we can't keep playing the same because they would play the same they videos did. over they literally and over again the same 20 videos Ugh, you would know and that over. and they did this do you remember every week they would do like a top 20 countdown yes. and that was always like the ooh, what yeah. was happening yeah yeah, so they started doing these kind of style and culture type shows. And it was interesting. Someone used this term that there were areas of the country that were culture starved. Oh, yes. So before cable television, if you're living in the middle of Ohio or you don't know what's going on in New York City. Yeah, I guess you're right. You yeah. don't you don't see people, you know, at the clubs. You don't see the fashions. You, you don't you don't see any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So MTV wanted to bring all of this culture and er- everything. And because Cindy smartly um, was much better known because she had all these new male fans from the uh, playboy, mm-hmm. they gave her this show called house of style. And it was funny on one of the episodes, they show Chris rock was on it. Oh yes. Yeah. Like a very young Chris <laughs> rock, but you know, she just kind of went around to not just New York, but she was like in Paris and she was, 
she would just go places mm-hmm. and go to hip places and talk to hip people and show culture, just, yeah. just stuff, like to show the outside world. Yeah. So these women were becoming sort of this new idea on beauty. And so the big one was the George Michael video. Mm-hmm. So this was in... Um, so George Michael, he leaves Wham and then he has this, he has the album Faith and he's trying to, in 1990, sort of, I, I assume he didn't want to be in the video because there was so much backlash with him. Well, the album was Freedom. Freedom was Freedom 90? 90. Yeah. That was and the so second album. He only mm-hmm. wanted supermodels in the video. And I didn't know that David Fincher was the director of that video, the film director. Seven, oh. that David Fincher? I don't know. I've oh, heard okay. his name. I, I, yeah. just, I don't know. I was just like, oh, that's really interesting. So, um, but I do, I remember that video so well. Mm-hmm. And all of them mouth the words and they sing all of the, you know, they they are George's mouthpiece, essentially. And I remember that, like, that was boom. It yeah. was them. Well, the, yeah, that's, in, that's... Now we're into the 90s, right? Because did it come out in 1990? It came out in 1990, and it was at their height. Like, yeah. they, we all knew their names now. We all knew their names. They were the big ones. And there was one other woman in yeah. it, Tatiana. Tatiana Patisse. She looked, died this year. Yeah, I looked her up. She was a German model who was kind of hanging out with them for a while. And then I guess she got out of the business, and then she passed away this year. From breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're on to episode three, which is the power. The power. So this is when people start to get mad. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. These women are have too much control and too much power. And they're and they're making all this money and they're so successful. And oh my God. That's not how it be. So it was almost like everyone knew who they were. Um, they were on the talk shows. They were on the um, cover of Time magazine. Mm-hmm. Naomi Campbell. Naomi was, yeah. yeah. And so they had all this power in the fashion industry. And suddenly fashion shows, which people didn't really go to, became events. Right. Because they were walking in them. And um, and so they got to suddenly it, everything flipped. They got to pick the designers they were going to work with. They got to say whether or not they liked this outfit or not. Mm-hmm. They got to command more money. They got to command a lot more money. Um, and the three, Christy, Linda, and Naomi were known as the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And so I always got the sense that those three were much better friends, those three, than Cindy Crawford. It always seemed like Cindy Crawford was on the outskirts. Well, I Because she had a very different career. She went in a different direction. Well, she married Richard Gere. Yes. And then I think, did she move to the West Coast? Probably Maybe they were probably him. all still in New York. I don't know. I mean, I think they, they were all still, but I think, yes, yeah, Cindy kind of went in her own direction and she became very um, entrepreneurial. Uh-huh. You know, I remember I had that Cindy Crawford workout. Video. Oh, I did too. Not that I ever <laughs> did it, probably did it two times. But yeah, she started coming out. Well, she had that Pepsi commercial. Yes, like I remember. The Super I Bowl. remember the Super Bowl Pepsi commercial. Yes. It's iconic. She yeah. had a makeup book. She just started coming out with. All these things, All this calendars, stuff. and she yeah. was she was now on another level of recognition because she's married to a movie star. 
I forgot that she was only 22. Like they met when she was 22 and he's a lot older. And she talks about like, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, I like that too. Oh, that sounds interesting. Kind of going along with him. But I, and I remember when she was invited to go to the Oscars with him, Mm -hmm. I can't remember, was he nominated for Pretty Woman? I don't know. He might've been. Might've been. And um, so she wore this red Versace dress, which was a big deal. Custom made for her by Versace. Yes. So she, she, yes, she absolutely, she, she went on a different path, but this is when they start. Oh, this I also thought was interesting too. They start talking about voguing because yeah. in 1990, 89, was the Madonna song Vogue. And was so, it that early or was it later? No, I feel well, like it was, might be that early. I can look it up, but it was, there was this time because in New York, especially in Harlem, Young, black, and Hispanic, primarily gay men were doing this thing of, like, voguing, this kind of dance Mm -hmm. of expressing themselves. And suddenly, this is what they start talking about, is, like, you know, RuPaul comes on the Mm -hmm. scene. And suddenly, you know, drag queens become more accepted. Nothing like how it is now, but he had that song, Supermodel, Mm -hmm. and he name-checks all of the women. Linda, Naomi, you know? And so... Um, suddenly they're becoming these cultural icons. This is where Linda talks about, so she was married to Gerard Marie. He was the one who had all the women come forward. 65 former models uh, came forward to say that he had sexually uh, uh, abused them. Well, yeah. And so they had this terrible relationship, very abusive. And she said that he knew enough not to touch her face. Don't touch the face, the moneymaker. Uh-huh. So she doesn't say it straight out, but it's very obvious that he was physic- not only mentally and verbally abusive, but physically mm-hmm. abusive. Um, and she said she got out at 27, but she just gave him everything. She was like, I just want to yeah. get out. He, he kept everything. Well, and another thing that was shocking to me was how the paparazzi were allowed backstage yeah. at these fashion shows while these women are dressing and undressing and they're taking photos of them and they're like partially nude and how is that even allowed i just feel like nobody was there wasn't even like a sense of common decency like no people no, looking out for these they women they weren't seen that way they weren't seen as, they as weren't at all seen like people yeah and and that was the big thing um was the fact that so I don't know if we've gotten there yet, but a Lin- Linda Evangelista makes a, a comment, uh, oh, I think yeah. probably randomly, which I remember this too, and where she says, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. And what is wrong with that comment? Yeah, but at the time, I do remember people being like disgusted by it. Like, how dare she say something like that? Now, $10,000 back then is like what now? Oh, 40? At least three times. Or yeah, four 40, times. 50. So that's a lot of money. And so, but that was the thing that she, Linda Evangelista got a really bad reputation. I remember this for being quote unquote, demanding, demanding. She had a bad reputation for being quote unquote, demanding all the time. And we see this, a bunch of designers saying demands. They have so many demands. Mm -hmm. All these models, they have so many demands. They're demanding the, a car. They're demanding this, the best hotels. They're demanding this. They're demanding that. It's like, Okay, hold on a second. So they're essentially asking for you to 
put them up somewhere nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, get me a car to get there. Like, isn't this the same thing we do for actors? Right. We do these for actors. We do this for politicians. We do this for so many different people. Very wealthy people have these same demands. But suddenly, because they were these models, it was seen as just, oh, my Because well, they're women. You know, if, if a successful man had said something like that, no one would bat oh. an eye. Yeah. You know, and it's like these women... I'm sorry. They they brought your fashions to the masses. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, nobody ever came to a fashion show. It's not like you see on TV today. They'll let anyone come in. They'll let Kim Kardashian come in and, you know, yeah. be a model. Well, and yeah, she's because, five foot two. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like back then. I mean, this was such a exclusive yes. thing. And they were they revolutionized it. They sold it. <laughs> These designers sold a lot more clothes and, because of these women. And that's what they were saying. That's what they were trying to Everybody defend Everybody was making money. Yes. Everybody up the chain. It was immoral for the models to make money. But what they were trying to say is, yeah, you pay me $10,000 to model this. You're going to make um, $10 million. Know, Yes. And so, and, and so it, it's this feeling of, well, the designers, the manufacturers, the retailers, they can all be millionaires. They can all make tons of money. But right. God forbid the person that's actually selling the thing demands, you know what, pay me what you would, you know, pay me something worthwhile. Yeah, no, it was so ridiculous. And yeah, and all these baby, these men acting like babies. Oh my God. So then, yeah, we see all, we see both, I pointed out Valentino and Lagerfeld, they kept, they were the ones that were like, well, they got big heads and, you know, these models, they needed to be reined in and in control. And, and it was, what was really interesting is I didn't realize this is how it all came out, but it was almost a rebellion against these women. It was mm-hmm. almost like these, all these male designers got together and said, well, God damn it. These women are getting too big for themselves. Right, they're making too much. And then at the same time, what was happening was, in the mid nineties, it was the grunge era. And when grunge came about, it was fashion to be all dressed up like that. Wasn't a big deal. It, it, there was also this idea. The eighties was really known as the era of money. It It was was, the Trump era. Think uh, Trump. Yeah. That, that's what it was. Trump was a big deal. The gold, gold gold, uh, toilets. Yes. Literally it was opulence. It was dynasty. It was Falcon crest. It was, you know, the movie wall street. Yeah. It was, it was Reagan. Reaganomics. Yeah. yeah. And it was all about money, money, money and and everything. All of that came into the nineties. And so when grunge happened, suddenly it was about being, you know, an artist and, you know, greasy hair and you flannels (laughs) and you weren't allowed to suddenly, to be stylish and to flaunt money right. became Can't be ostentatious. Yes. So, um, and then at the same time, uh, the Soviet Union is this. When did the wall come down? Well, that's Germany. Well, okay. See, Reagan was in from eighty to eighty-eight. So, what it was? Well, the Soviet was, Union was becoming. Well, I'm, I'm East, thinking of the Berlin yeah. Wall. Sorry, it was the Soviet. Soviet Union was was later like early 90s yeah so at that time so suddenly all of these eastern european women were showing up wanting to be models and they were hungry and they were they were cheap and cheap and what they would talk about is that you could book 40 unknown models as opposed to 10 Mm -hmm. you know really big models for the same 
same thing, but they all had to be apparently the same size. Yeah, they all kind of looked the same. And yeah, that that was really weird. They would go over to these Eastern European countries and the former Soviet Union and just find all these, yeah. like it was a cattle call for models so that they could come to the U.S. And they didn't want anything to distract from the clothes. And so that whole waif look came about. So yeah. this was when the quote-unquote heroin chic Remember like Kate, all that? Yeah, Kate Moss was kind of the leader of that. Yes. And, and this one lady, I don't know who it was, she was talking about how, yeah, these these waifs, they weren't supposed to be pretty. She's like, Kate Moss isn't pretty. And oh. she just started ripping her apart. <laughs> like, but, but Kate Moss, I guess, is much shorter. So suddenly it wasn't about right. being 5'10", 5'11". Five, five, yeah, you were smaller. And, and just waif-like and childlike. And that's what I think. I think this is so interesting how... Because this is what I found most interesting about the documentary is that I did not, I watched all this play out, but I never saw it like this. And now I see it so clearly. Like these women got too big. Mm-hmm. These men got mad. They went over to the Soviet Union. They said, Union. you're replaceable. You're replaceable. So we're going to replace you. And then they find women and the what they replace them from these strong women that were mm-hmm. speaking their minds and saying, hey, don't, don't photograph me when I'm naked without my permission. Mm-hmm. God forbid. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to pick women that look even younger and waif like and that couldn't uh, like less powerful, like these little broken birds. Almost, it was almost like, ooh, let's get them now. And it was just wow, yeah. But I was, uh, yeah, and I really thought it was hilarious, hilarious. How so? We also we have the grunge era, but we also have hip hop. Yes, uh, two two very different styles that have taken over the country. Mm-hmm. And the way that these designers try to interpret <laughs> grunge yeah, the, and hip hop was hard. Oh, Oof. it was horrible. And yeah, so you have like these designers bringing out these, you see these models come out on the runway with their interpretation of grunge, yeah. which is basically a pair of like cord- corduroy overalls with a flannel shirt wrapped around the waist and, you know, like a thermal type shirt underneath. I mean, mm-hmm. it was all in beige colors. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, well, the hip hop I thought was even worse because it was just like a lot of the same things, but with just a lot of gold chains. Gold chains. It was like, it was like bright, this- bright colors, clothes with bright colors and then these gold chain accessories. And it's it just was- like, oh my God, this is crazy. <clears throat> this is awful. So then we get into, um, you know, the women are all, they're getting a little bit older. Things are changing. Cindy Crawford is now, you know, she she was in a movie called Fair Game. Cindy Crawford, I'm sorry, but she is not a good actor, nor is she, she was not, I don't think she was that good on House of Style. No, either. she's not a very good host. I mean, she was skating by with just, you know, on her. Yeah her uh, cult status but it was it was interesting too because there are a lot of models that did start off as models and then became actors Mm -hmm. and so it was almost this transition because in some ways it made sense for her to start acting and i think i think for a lot of people they thought this was going to be the beginning of her acting career and it really wasn't um but anyway and then they they what's so they start talking about the 90s and what happened which is they tried to do that fashion cafe do you remember that like <laughs> i don't remember that at oh all. god i remember it but it was a big bomb and then <laughs> but i love the line they said that one of the reasons why it fails is be- failed was because um models are really not n- known as being associated with eating a lot yes <laughs> Yeah, it's like you don't want to look at all these glamorous photos while you're eating a cheeseburger and fries. <laughs> and a yeah. milkshake. Yeah. The whole thing's like 2,000 calories. Yeah. So 
Then suddenly what happened was Giuliani came in, he sanitized New York, things became commercialized Mm -hmm. and fashion became a business. It became this global business Mm -hmm. and with the internet. And suddenly we start seeing shows like Project Runway Mm -hmm. and, and America's Top Model. And the big thing was when Isaac Mizrahi collabed with With Target. Target. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow, the elite. So fashion, which was when I remember when you would look through the pages of Vogue and, and L it was so, it was this thing that was so far away, like unattainable, unattainable to, to women that were unattainable clothing that was unattainable life that was unattainable. And then suddenly it's, here's Isaac Mizrahi with target. And now Mm -hmm. it's attainable. Like you can actually do that. And that happened. And then also in July of 1997, Johnny Versace is yeah, killed God. outside of his home. Terrible. And and they really feel like that was the end of the supermodel era. Yeah. Like his his death and and him because he wasn't afraid. To, he always wanted to lift the models up. Yeah. You know, he felt, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all boats. That was his philosophy. And he wasn't petty. Yeah. Like all those other yeah and so yeah now he's gone that's the end of that fashion yeah they said fashion just lost its specialness Mm -hmm. you know because it's started becoming attainable to the masses and now here we are where everything's just you know like fast fashion and so now we're on to episode four the legacy and they start talking about how they're all getting older and their bodies are changing though i'm sorry naomi cindy chris i mean they look amazing they're all talking about oh my body's changing i'm like oh my god naomi you still look goddamn incredible like even in a little even in, in a tank top in a kitchen you look amazing um, and then we get into this Linda Evangelista stuff is so, so I had no sad. Idea you didn't know she, about the cool sculpting? I knew about the cool sculpting. I didn't know she had breast cancer. I didn't twice. know that either. And then she also had the, some kind of genetic disorder with her lungs, with her lungs. She yeah. had to have multiple surgeries she had, for her lungs because they were, could collapse. And I mean, this woman has just been through. She has. Hell. Well, she talks about, so it was a big story, right? Linda talked about in last year where she said, you know, I'd been using tools. So I think basically, you know, Botox here and there, Mm. and probably, you know, maybe a little, maybe you get a little plastic surgery, like get your boobs lifted a little, maybe, I don't know what she was doing, but apparently she was doing cool scope sculpting and it just became a nightmare. And apparently she has these masses and these protrusions and all these strange places. Hard, um, hard fat. It made the fat. Yeah. Like hardened. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, I think that she talks about being in this deep depression and she hating herself and being looking in the mirror and just hating what she sees. And you see that we do see a bit of her comeback and the way she kind of tightly the clothes like she's just she puts herself in these giant coats yeah. and she doesn't want anyone to see up. her. And while it may seem like you know, why, why is she crying about this? She's alive. But at the same time, I mean, this was her life. Her her identity. It was yeah. her identity. If you're identified by your body and your, your beauty, your beauty, and this happens, then my God, you know, what do you do? I mean, she's still incredibly she's beautiful. gorgeous. Still, and obviously, I, but and obviously sure she, her, her sure. body's been through hell. Yeah. Her body has been through hell. And, you know, I, I I really feel for her. What is interesting was she talks about, like, my scars. I can celebrate my scars because I went through something hard. But being disfigured isn't a scar. Mm. I was like, yeah, you're right. 
You're right. So she, yeah, I didn't realize that she had, in 2018, she had a breast cancer. She had a double mastectomy and then the cancer came back. And then we see her getting, getting chemo mm-hmm. with the, yeah. Wow. So, um, and then we talked about Christy Turlington. This was very famous too. In 1996, she decides, I love the story. She quits smoking. And so she gains a few pounds. So they cut her from a show and she's like, you know what? Forget this. And she goes back to NYU or to NYU because she yeah. never went to college and studied. And I do remember very distinctly, like Christy Turlington's in college yeah, now. Good for her. And then do you remember this too, Christy talking about, so I remember these commercials too, where she quit smoking and her father at 63 got mm-hmm. lung cancer. And he also smoked Very shortly after. And she, yeah. I remember her talking and this was a big deal. Cause this was 1996 or 97. She did a commercial where she basically flat out said, right? Like, this this industry glamorizes smoking. It's not glamorous. Yeah. It, you know, you can die. My father's dead. I quit. And she really wanted to demystify. And um, it it was 1998, 99 when they started banning smoking in bars and restaurants and mm. all of that. So she really, I mean, she had um, a big impact. She did have an impact, but it was a big deal because no one had ever come forward before. Mm-hmm. Because what we saw in all those fashion magazines when you caught the women was they all smoked, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, to keep from eating. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then she, I didn't see, I didn't know these things too. I knew she married the actor, Ed, director Ed, Ed Burn. Norton. Burns. Oh, Burns. Burns. <laughs> oh, that's another one, Ed yeah. Um, And apparently after she delivered her first child, she hemorrhaged. And she said, I had no idea that could happen. And I had all the resources in the world and I was fine. But what about everybody else? So she creates Every Mother Counts. And she's out in the world just... Yeah, she's done a lot of philanthropy yes. and a lot of uh, and good at, work. And so has Naomi. Yeah. So Naomi's out and about... Well, she's out with Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Like, you know, she's... Well, so I didn't know that. She, so she became an, she was an addict and I guess this is so. Yeah. I remember when we see these news stories yes. where she throw oh, things at, at stewardesses <laughs> on planes yes, and yes. yeah. So she I was having was, a little substance abuse issue. Yeah. So this was, so we didn't talk about this, but you know what happened with her and John Casablancas, who I think is such a pig is, is that she, um, he, I guess they had a disagreement. I think mm-hmm. basically the disagreement was she wanted to be paid her fair share. Mm-hmm. And when she pushed that or asked for what she wanted, he got mad at her. So he quote unquote fired her and then proceeded to go to the press and badmouthed her. Mm. And she was so shocked. And she said, well, first off, you can't fire me because I'm not, I don't, I don't work, work for, for you. you. Yeah. So that's not true. But what happened was that that happened along the same time. And it sounds like her addiction was getting worse. And there were some incidents where she did get in trouble, mm-hmm. like throwing a phone at an assistant and she got like kicked off a plane. I believe mm-hmm. there were some things, but she then became that, that, um, that just kind of fed into, Oh, supermodels. And she's a diva and she's this and she's that. Um, but now, you know, she got clean. She went to rehab. She's, you know, out and about. And she has a daughter. Mm-hmm. I didn't re- I didn't know that. And um, so we, you know, Cindy Crawford obviously was very smart. She, when her Revlon contract ended, she was like, you know what? I'm not going to re-up. I'm going to create my own beauty line. Yeah. And I remember if you've ever seen it, she would do a bunch of infomercials. Yeah, I've in the, seen those. In the aughts, she yeah. was doing infomercials. I believe that for Dr. Her- Paracone. Yeah, or, yeah. she... 
So she created, she, I don't know what's going on with that makeup line. If it's, is it still around? I think it's just skincare. Oh, is it just It's skincare? not makeup. It's, it's skincare. Oh, okay. Yeah, she has a whole skincare line. She partnered with that guy, Dr. Paracone. Yeah. And so she did that. And then for a long time, it was, it was weird, but she was like just doing, I would just see her in these infomercials. It was very smart because she mm-hmm. basically went on as herself. Mm-hmm. And said, I'm getting older. Look right. at me. And this is what I'm doing. And the woman's so gorgeous that she's like, this is what I'm doing. She also had a, I didn't know she had a Cindy Crawford living. Like she had a, I didn't know a, that either. A, a furniture, furniture line. Oh, um, well, she had a lot of things. Yeah, she really did. And um, yeah, well, and you know, her husband, Randy Gerber mm-hmm. is half of Casam- Casamigos, right. the big tequila brand that he, that they did with George Clooney. Well, and prior to that, he was a restaurant yes. tour pretty well very successful i i think there's lots of rumors about him being quite the womanizer and i always that always made me sad to think Mm -hmm. about that that like you have cindy crawford i know like what the fuck are you doing what more do you want yeah but it's just that same thing with jay-z and beyonce yeah it's like it's not about beyonce is not enough for you no because it's not about the woman it's about their ego yeah but it always kind of made me sad to think that because she's so beautiful i hope that's not true yeah i don't well, she so. has she has two kids who both have dabbled in modeling, and, and her, the daughter looks just the like her. Is so gorgeous. Image of her. The son is cu- so cute. I mean, Although the, he did tattoo his face. Yeah, I don't know. He yeah, I, he was going through something. I think he was having a bit of a crisis. Who was it that he hooked up with? He hooked up with somebody very inappropriate. Mm. That I, I remember, like Cindy Crawford was. Um, well, is that that or is that Kaya? Gerber. So Kaya dated um, Pete Davidson, and apparently it was at a point when Pete was really struggling with his mental yeah. health issues. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I think that was her because and because I remember the reports about like th- her parents being worried and. But her son has had some issues too. Hence the tattoo on the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I mean, it's something very just. You would only do that if yeah. you were in prison for life or <laughs> going yes. through a mental health crisis. Yes. Yes. I don't know. And then they just talk about how modeling, you know, modeling's changed. Yeah. It's it's less about because for so long, in order to be a model, you had to be over five eight, five right. nine. You had and you to had be, to have an agent. And you had you to had be to, agent and you had to be super, super skinny. Mm-hmm. You had to fit into the to the, the sample size, size. The sample yeah. size. And so what for so long being a model meant that it was this small percentage of people that could do it. But then when Instagram came out and social media, suddenly everybody's a model. Yeah. Anybody could. And it became about your followers and who your right. followers are. how many are. followers you have. And you gain followers by, well, like, look at all the, the Real Housewives daughters yeah. and, the, you know, Kendall Kardashian. And it's because they get the followers because their parents are famous. Yes. And there's no... Yeah, it's it's kind of like anyone can become a model. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you have the right connections and whatever, anyone can become a model. And it really doesn't matter if you're good at it mm-hmm. or what. It's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it wasn't. It, and, and it is we see we're seeing so much more now. I mean, obviously, we see so many more plus size models mm-hmm. and and the plus size models are actually plus size because it used to be in size our day. Size 10 was a plus yeah, size. Size 10 yeah. 
was a plus size model in our day. So now we actually see actual, you know, size 20 size, you know, mm-hmm. actual plus size models and, um, you know, women in wheelchairs and, um, forgotten that one. What's her name? Winnie Harlow. Is that her name? Winnie, who has the oh, skin. Has vitiligo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're seeing so much more now and how different it is, but it's funny. Cause when they talked about, Oh, now it's all just about followers. They were showing us like Bella Hadid mm-hmm. and all this. And I'm thinking, well, no, because Kaya is a model because you're a model, Cindy. I mean, obviously she's gorgeous, mm-hmm. but um, at the same time, all of these models that are famous now are just because they were on a TV show. Right. Their parents or their, they, you know, and it's now, got nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And now the big thing is they let all these like celebrities and movie stars walk in fashion shows, mm-hmm. you know, like Kim Kardashian. But, you know, yeah, you see other actresses and. Yeah. Know. Demi Moore was a model in. Yeah. Nicole you know, Kidman. Yeah. I've seen. And that's one of the things that changed. I will say they didn't talk about this in the documentary, but what changed was when the supermodel started to that, that era died out. What happened was they started putting celebrities on the covers of these magazines. Mm-hmm. So for a long, long time to be on the cover of Vogue, it was only models, mm-hmm. you know, and then suddenly they started putting actresses mm-hmm. on the cover. And that's really what changed because it, it was no longer about models. It was about the celebrity and whomever you can put on that magazine. And yeah. then, of course, they all died out. Um, and then at the very end, you know, it had all been leading up to this moment, I think, where they get the four women back together again mm-hmm. and they do this shoot mm-hmm. and um, where they all eat, each wear what they want. I think what they felt comfortable in, like, mm-hmm. just kind of be yourself. And, mm-hmm. and um, that's how it all ends up. I mean, Linda yeah. Evangelista makes a comeback she walked in the fendi show after she shared her cool scope mm-hmm. sculpting tale um someone from fendi reached out and she she walked but again you see her she never takes that big giant yeah. coat off but they talk about how like did you see kim kardashian's rushing up there to talk to her like she was this big deal like mm-hmm. oh my god she's walking mm-hmm. um but she has a son as well mm-hmm. so they all have kids um and she says it's just her and her son and yeah, and this is where, and that's, it ends. Yeah. End of an Oof. era. It is, but. End of an era. I just, I didn't know all of the, once, I should say, once you lay it all out, it all makes such sense, yeah. but I just didn't see it at the right. time of, of, until this documentary laid it out, which I thought was really, really good. It just needed to be a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, the first part kind of jumped around a lot and I was just like, where are we going with this? But then it hit its stride and it's it's good and especially if you're a gen x or yes it's definitely it's it's definitely a gen x one a lot of nostalgia yes so anywho um thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy this podcast um please hit the subscribe button so you make sure that you get this in your box in box whatever you want to call it in your in your Your feed your feed thank you i'm old (laughs) yeah yes i am a gen xer i'm old (laughs) get it in your feed um uh and uh if you haven't already please head over to apple and give us a um five star rating and review um we're on social media we need followers too yeah. <laughs> on social media so we're on psych legal pop on instagram and tiktok um yeah, please follow us yes yes we're getting there it's, it's, it's a slow grind there's content on there we we 
we got to get better about um, posting more, posting stuff. more personal stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we post a lot about sister wives, sister wives stuff. Cause that's just a constant flow of <laughs> never ending spigot of, but yeah, we got to post some yeah, more I guess personal we should, things. Yes, we should. Um, but I don't know. I, I hate taking pictures of myself and doing Well, it doesn't that. have to be pictures of ourselves. I mean, but just, I don't know. I like, I don't know. Maybe we could find something that's related to this. Uh, well, yeah, you know, they, they, they don't want to know about this right now. So let's sorry. wrap it up. <laughs> we'll brainstorm this later. Um, so, yes. And I think that's it. We're continuing to cover um, Sister Wives. That comes out on Mondays. And um, we're going to be doing some documentaries. And then we'll get back to our our Sister Wives Rewind Watch. Yeah, we can only do one day of them a week. Yeah, it's a lot. it gets to be a lot. A lot of All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.